As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Bible Answer Man broadcast with Christian Research Institute President Hank Hanegraaff. Our mission at CRI is not only to equip you with sound biblical teaching and spiritual discernment, but to help you become a winsome and fruitful witness of Jesus Christ. Because the credibility of our faith hinges on the answers we provide to life's biggest questions, there's often not a second chance to get those answers right. To learn more or to find resources to help you grow in grace, call 888-7000-CRI. That's 888-7000-274. Or go to our website at equip.org. That's equip.org. The following program was pre-recorded. And now, here's Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you very much, Randy. Again, for our contact information on the web, equip.org via the mail. It's box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271. And our resource consultants, they are standing by, 888-7000 and the letters C-R-I. A lot of you hanging on. We'll go right to the phone calls. Norma, first listening in New York, New York. Hi, Norma. Hi, Hank. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. My question is about last-minute retention and salvation. As Christians, you know, we're, we're called to be a reflection of Christ to others, but if people don't have a desire to know Christ, and they never do, where does that leave? Is it worth it? Well, I don't think, Norma, that the real issue is that we should run around force-feeding people the gospel. I've said many times on the broadcast that the issue is not as much evangelism as it is equipping for evangelism, which is to say that we must always be prepared, ready to give an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within us with gentleness and with respect. So we must prepare ourselves in order to be ready, and then God gives us the opportunities. And so rather than running around frantically grabbing people by the lapels and saying, brother, are you saved? I think it is far more significant to prepare ourselves. And when we are equipped or prepared, we will have opportunities to share the truth and life and grace that only Jesus Christ can bring to the human heart. Okay, thank you, Hank. You got it. Thank you so much for your call, Norma. Back to the phone lines. We'll talk to Tia next in Wake Forest, North Carolina. Hi, Tia. Hi, Hank. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, thank you. 
Um, okay, so there's a verse in the Bible that says basically, right, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. But what happens when that faith that was built is on false doctrine? So I grew up, um, my parents were in the Mormon church through my childhood, and then they found some stuff or somehow, whatever, changed their minds on that or were pulling away from that. And I went to a Catholic high school and learned all of Catholicism and stuff and whatever. So now I'm in my 50s and trying to get my doctrine right, and I'm realizing that my house of faith, you know, the foundation and the basement are quite right. I've got all this stuff intertangled that I'm trying to weed through. Sure. And so you were involved in a religious construct, namely Mormonism, which is not being trained in the way you should go. In fact, it's being trained in a way that you should not go, because Mormonism quite literally denies the essentials of the historic Christian faith. And uh, this is most glaring when it comes to the deity of Jesus Christ, for in Mormonism, Jesus is but the spirit brother of Lucifer. So, yeah, I think the solution to the problem at this point is becoming very conversant with essential Christian doctrine, because essential Christian doctrines are the line of demarcation between the kingdom of Christ and the kingdom of the cults. They're foundational to the gospel, and they are the North Star by which Christians in the Christian church have always set their sail. So we must be familiar with those essentials of the historic Christian faith. And then in being familiar with the essentials of the Christian faith, we recognize immediately the difference between those issues that are essential, those issues that are secondary, and then we also recognize that we should deal with all, whether a cultist or someone involved in a world religion, with gentleness and with respect. So an essentials unity, non-essentials liberty, and all things charity. Okay. But um, I guess as far as trying to un unlearn those things or weed those false things out, when you learn them as a child, they're like built in, you know, deeply into so everything that I've grown since then, I've still built on that foundation. I, I did get your doctrines one and the Mormon one and like five or six of those um, little flip chart books and been working through those, but that's just pointed out even more how much I've built on that false teaching. Right, but now you're laying a new foundation in Jesus Christ, right? It's no longer the old foundation that has been uprooted. Yes, there are vestiges in your mind, but as you become familiar with the new foundation, it will become foundational for you, which is to say that you are now replacing the old with the new. The old is gone, the new has come. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come, said the Apostle Paul. So you are now in Christ, the one who spoke and the universe leapt into existence. And I think that as you root, as it were, the essentials in your mind, 
Then you have, again, that barometer, that straight stick by which to see that the other is crooked. As has been well said, contrast is the mother of clarity. So now you have the straight stick of doctrine, and when you lay that straight stick down next to what you have previously learned, you immediately see just how crooked it is. That's why it is foundational, fundamental, if you will, to root and ground your mind in the essentials of the historic Christian faith. These are the main and plain things. There are secondary issues. They're not insignificant. But these are the kinds of things you can debate. They're not really the big issue. The big issue is becoming conversant with essential Christian doctrine, that has to become part of the warp and woof of who you are. Okay. Fair enough? Yep, that makes sense. Thanks for your call, Tia. Tammy next in Dixon, Tennessee. Hi, Tammy. Hi there, hi. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. My question for you... Um, since there is no sadness in heaven, how will we react to people that we love here on earth not being there? Well, I think, first of all, we are going to see things from God's perspective. Now we see things in a very discombobulated way. Then we'll see things as they really are. And we'll recognize that all who spurned the grace and goodness of God that could have been theirs are separated from God, not because God is capricious, as is the God of Islam, but because God is not going to take someone who did not want a relationship with him, kicking and screaming into his eternal presence. If he did that, heaven wouldn't be heaven, heaven would be hell. The righteous would inherit a counterfeit heaven, and the unrighteous would be incarcerated in heaven against their will, which would be a torment worse than hell. So we will see that God's justice and his love are perfectly reconciled in his being, in his essence. And we will be rejoicing over that. Again, we will see things not as though we're looking at the tapestry from the bottom, where there are all kinds of strings hanging out in discordant fashion, but we'll see the tapestry as it was meant to be from its very beginning. So we will be glad, because in comprehending that all who are in hell are there because they did not desire a relationship with God, we will see that God has meted out justice and love in equal measures. Well, that makes, that makes sense. I just, I've prayed a long, long time for my children to um, receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, and I would hate to be somewhere without them. And I, I know I would not be unhappy in heaven. That's not what I'm saying. I just wondered how that would work. Well, Tammy, the last chapter has not been written, and uh, I would not in any way discourage your mother's love. But I will tell you this, that when we stand in the greatest size with people from every language and nation and people, we will be 
most assuredly thankful for the grace, the love, the goodness, and the justice of God. We'll be right back. Every Bible Answer Man broadcast, such as the one you're listening to right now, is made possible through the financial support of friends like you. Each month, we depend entirely on God's provision through His people to bring you more of the broadcast, podcast, and other resources you rely on. If you want a sound proclamation and defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ to continue to be heard through the outreaches of the Christian Research Institute, become a member of CRI's support team today. Call 888-7000-CRI and stand with CRI daily in the battle for life and truth. That's 888-7000-CRI. Or visit our website at equip.org. We'll return shortly with more from Hank Hanegraaff. The Christian Research Journal is CRI's award-winning magazine, combining eye-catching design with well-researched articles to equip believers in doctrine, defense, and discernment. The Christian Research Journal's primary commitment is to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In keeping with this commitment, the journal's mission is both evangelistic and pastoral, furthering the proclamation and defense of the historic gospel of Jesus Christ and helping his followers distinguish between essential Christian doctrine and doctrine that is peripheral, aberrant, or heretical. In an age of subjectivism and moral relativism, may Christians ground their faith and values in the objective, reliable testimony of Holy Scripture. Start your subscription to the Christian Research Journal today. Call 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. That's equip.org. The number of wolves surrounding the Christian flock is growing, and they relish nothing more than docile sheep utterly incapable of defending themselves. From militant secularists at home to militant Islamists abroad, the assaults on biblical Christianity are growing dangerously. But Christian Research Institute support team members aren't in favor of feeding these wolves. Instead, each day they're making possible an array of outreaches that defang these wolf packs with solid arguments and evidence that have stood the test of time. What's more, support team members are equipping themselves with CRI's Equipping Essentials, a hand-picked collection of the best apologetics tools around. Your selection of resources, along with a complimentary subscription to the Christian Research Journal, are just our way of saying thanks. To learn more about the benefits of membership, simply visit equip.org. Once again, that's equip.org. Dr. Eben Alexander's wildly popular near-death experience book, Proof of Heaven, assures us that no matter what we do in this life, only unconditional love and joy await us in the world to come. But our Lord warned that while the gate to hell is wide, the road to it broad, and those who enter through it are many, the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Your generous support lets Hank Hanegraaff and CRI speak out against the lies that lead to hell. In appreciation for your gift today, we'll rush you Hank's book, Afterlife, what you need to know about heaven, the hereafter, and near-death experiences, filled with answers to your questions about life after death. 
Call 888-7000-CRI or visit equip.org now. Again, that's equip.org. And now, here's Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you much, Randy, and we'll go right back to our phone callers. Next up is Eric listening in Washington. Hi, Eric. Hi, thanks for taking my call. A pleasure. Uh, so, I'm a currently active duty uh, U.S. Army, and I've deployed to quite a few regions around the world. Uh, and in those travels, uh, I've gotten a lot of exposure, not just to the work of Christian missionaries and Christianity around the world, but also other religions, obviously Islam and Buddhism. And so my question is, how should we perceive other major world religions? Could it be that people are are all seeing the same thing and interpreting the same thing differently? Well, you mentioned Islam, and uh, you could use that as a great test case. A person who is a Muslim would be horrified at the thought that you and he were worshiping the same God if you were a Christian. The reason being, they believe that the God we worship is a God that is ridiculous, to say the least. In fact, they completely misrepresent the Trinity, but worse than that, they believe that if you believe in the God of the Bible, then you have committed the sin of shirk. It is an unforgivable sin in Islam. So they would be horrified to think that the God of Christianity and the God of Islam is the same God. They don't believe that he is the same God. But if you look at it in a broader sense, when you begin to examine world religions like Judaism or Hinduism or Buddhism, you immediately recognize that they directly contradict one another. Moses, of course, taught that there was only one God. Krishna believed in many gods. Buddha was agnostic. Now, logically, they can all be wrong, but they can't all be right. I think that there is another point that's very significant, and that is if you take all other world religions, apart from Christianity, boil them down to their irreducible minimum, they're all man's attempt to reach up and become acceptable to God through something that they do. This is certainly true, by the way, with respect to Islam. With Christianity, the paradigm is exactly opposite. Christians say we can never be acceptable to God through what we do, and therefore God did something for us. Christ, who is God, took on human flesh, and he lived a perfect life. He did what we could not do, and he offers us his perfection in place of our imperfections. So the paradigm of Christianity and world religions is very, very different, foundationally different. So no, we're not all seeing the same God, but all people, wherever they live and in whatever condition they are, according to Scripture, have an opportunity to respond to light or to reject light, and we're held accountable for that. That's what Paul says. He says that from one man God made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. He determined the exact times and places that they should live, and he did that so that men might reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. God dwells enough light, so that if we want to find him, we will. 
If we don't, he dwells in enough obscurity, so we won't have to find him. Awesome. Fascinating. I, I really love that answer. Well, I appreciate your call and appreciate your service to our country. Thank you. God bless you. Back to the phone lines, Kathy in Washington, KCIS. Hi, Kathy. Oh, hello. Thank you so much for taking my call, and thank you for your beautiful ministry. It's Mm. just heartwarming. Um, I've been a Christian for many years, but I cannot forgive myself for things that I have done in my past. They haunt me. I know it is also so disgraceful to say this because Jesus bore our sins on the cross, Um, I'm heartbroken about what I've done, and um, I'm not a young person, and I don't know where else to turn, Hank, so I thought if you could give me some words of wisdom. Well, Kathy, first of all, I think that you have the right perspective. You have been forgiven an incomparable debt, something that cannot be imagined. And that forgiveness is forgiveness that comes from God. So it's not forgiveness just from another person, but it's from God who knit you together in your mother's womb. And he knows precisely every facet of your being. The Bible says, before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. And so you've hemmed me in behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. And I think as you recognize more and more about the Lord, you recognize more fully his capacity to forgive. And not only to forgive, but to, as it were, forget. Because there's a sense in which the Bible talks about the sea of God's forgetfulness, where he takes the past and he buries it in the deepest part of the sea, never to be remembered against you again. And so as you continue to grow and replace those bad things with works of righteousness, not to obtain salvation, but in gratitude for the salvation you have already received, as you do those works of righteousness, those works of righteousness will create within you a sense of newness. And that's why we are told by the Apostle Paul, if anyone is in Christ, he or she then becomes a new person. The old has gone, the new has come. So in essence, what has happened? Kathy, you have been crucified with Christ And therefore, no longer is it you who live, but Christ that lives in you. It's as though there's a graft now. The old stuff's been cut off, and you have the graft of Jesus Christ. Well, that graft of Jesus Christ, that father graft, as it were, needs to be nourished. And again, we nourish that by partaking of the graces that God gives for us to grow in grace and knowledge and also in forgetfulness of our own past sins. And so I think partake of those graces that God gives us, the Word of God, prayer, partaking in the Lord's table, and being a vital reproducing member of a healthy, well-balanced church. Back to our phone callers. We'll talk next to Pete Ventura, California. Hi, Pete. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. 
I'd like to ask you a question about the age of the human race and what biblical view best suits that. You know, there are anthropologists that tell us that they're the human race is 100,000 years old and, you know, 35,000 years old. And, you know, there's a million opinions out there. And I know that the Bible doesn't come out and tell us in years how, how long man has been here, but can you see the possibility of the human race being 100,000 years old or 35,000 years old? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that to answer the question, you're absolutely right to go to the general revelation as opposed to special revelation, because in special revelation, we don't have a chronology. We simply don't know. Even if you look at the genealogies that are given in the book of Genesis, they're given to us in a way that is not sequential, but rather symmetrical. So we have 10 generations on one side of the flood and 10 generations on the other side of the flood. We can't really know based on the Genesis account how long human beings have been on the planet, and therefore we look to general revelation, and there are clues in general revelation with respect to how long human beings have been here, just as there are clues in general revelation with respect to how old stars are. I mean, you can calculate the age of stars because it's a fairly exact science. I mean, you look at a star that's in infancy, a star that's in midlife, a white dwarf star that's burnt out its nuclear fusion, and you can pretty much calibrate how long that takes to burn out nuclear fusion within a star, so it becomes a white dwarf star. So you can calculate how old stars are, and I think the same way there are anthropological clues with respect to how long human beings have been here. Again, that's part of general revelation, and that's why I often say in the Bible Answer Man broadcast, it's incumbent upon us to not only do Scripture well, but to do science well, so that we don't become a stumbling block to others, so that we don't infer that the Bible teaches something or says something about age that it doesn't really say. What does that entail? It entails the art and science of biblical interpretation, obviously. Genesis is a literary masterpiece. It's just fantastic in so many different ways. You can remember its accounts on ten fingers. That's the way Moses constructs it. It is a narrative interlaced with Jewish poetry and mnemonic devices. As I said, you remember the genealogies because there are ten on either side of the flood. And you remember the very salient fact of God's creative prowess during the normal cycle of everyday life. So Genesis is a literary masterpiece. I've written about that in a book called The Creation Answer Book. I'd like to expand. I can't. I'm out of time. Thanks for standing with us prayerfully and financially. Thank you for joining us for the Bible Answer Man broadcast. In today's post-truth culture of confusion, the Christian Research Institute exists to equip listeners like you with answers to communicate the gospel of hope to a world in desperate need of life and truth because life and truth matter. In addition to truth, we want to equip you with life, not simply to know about God, but truly to know Him. Experiencing union with Christ enables us to live life not merely by our own energy, but with the energy of the Lord Jesus working powerfully through us. For more information, call 888-7000-CRI. That's 888 7000 CRI. You can also write CRI at Post Office Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina 28271, or just visit us online at equip.org. 
That's equip.org. The Bible Answer Man broadcast is funded by listeners like you. We're on the air because life and truth matter. The Christian Research Journal is CRI's award-winning magazine, combining eye-catching design with well-researched articles to equip believers in doctrine, defense, and discernment. The Christian Research Journal's primary commitment is to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In keeping with this commitment, the journal's mission is both evangelistic and pastoral, furthering the proclamation and defense of the historic gospel of Jesus Christ and helping his followers distinguish between essential Christian doctrine and doctrine that is peripheral, aberrant, or heretical. In an age of subjectivism and moral relativism, may Christians ground their faith and values in the objective, reliable testimony of Holy Scripture. Start your subscription to the Christian Research Journal today. Call 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. That's equip.org.